Amen. Hey, today is one of those days in which we're setting aside to, 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 to share a special message. A lot of times in, 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 in my profession, we would call this a one-off. Uh, a lot of times, guys, whenever they preach a one-off, maybe feel pressure to it, or maybe there's something on a teaching calendar that, that is, a, is something that in their church every year they, they, they have to do it. Sometimes it's dictated by districts or boards or whatever. Sometimes guys preach one-offs because of even sometimes what people in the congregation say, man, I'm going through this, or hey, I really think we need a, a message on this preach. I've never had anybody come to me and say, hey, we need a message on giving more money. I've never had anybody come to me with, with that request, but um, you know, Ryan, but, um, but today is kind of one of those, those one-offs for us, and, uh, and a lot of times guys feel maybe embarrassed about it. Uh, might feel a little pressure, but I want you to know something. I do not feel embarrassed about what I'm a, God's about to share with us today, no, nor do I feel pressured. I want to preach this sermon to you today because I believe that this sermon is the heart of God. And as we dive into this subject matter today on, on caring for the orphan, caring for the fatherless, I, I, you, you, you can't read the Bible at all and not find that that is not God's heart and God's plan for creation. God, God cares for the fatherless. He, he cares for those who have, we just saying, you know my name. Come on, even that, he, he loves us. Come on. And he cares for us. And he's got a great plan and he, I, I'm hoping today that as we dive into this, that, that this would not just be another emphasis. But man, this is the heart of God. It's the, it's the heart of this church as well. If you've been with us any amount of time, I, I hope that, that you have kind of understood how we feel about, about foster care and, and adoption. Uh, in fact, in our atrium today, as you come and as you go, there, there, there's a, a resource table set up for you that, that if, you, if you would just love some more information about that, you could, can grab some of that. So today, we're going to have a, a luncheon today, not only for, for those who are interested in about 1910 and learning more about who we are, but, but there's going to be a separate luncheon next door for, for those who, who God might be stirring your heart in relation to, to orphan care, fostering, adoption ministries. We, we have a ministry we started, I think about four years ago now, called Reclaimed. Reclaimed. You know, that word reclaim means to recover or, or, or to take back something that's been taken away. And, 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 and we're just, listen, we're, 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 we, it's time for the church to rise up and have the heart of God. Are you with me there? And, and, and we believe that, that this area of orphan care, foster and adoption is one of those areas. Listen, caring for orphans is, is mandated by God throughout the Bible. And, and, and here's, it's not because it's, God can't care for them himself, but he's calling us as the church, as believers to step up and, and to begin to care for and to come alongside the fatherless. Because in our doing so, what we're doing is we're putting the love of God, the father on display for others to see. Plus, we're meeting the needs of those in our society that just need some care and some love. Are you with me today so far? When we show others our willingness to step out, oftentimes to make sacrifices in order to care for those in need, I, I can't help but think that brings a smile to our Father's face. Now, when we deal with this subject of orphan or foster and adoption, a lot of times we, we, we gravitate to, to a passage of scripture in the book of James chapter one, verse 27. 
And, and I want to read that for us today. It says this, pure and genuine religion in the sight of God the Father means caring for orphans and widows in their distress and refusing to let the world corrupt you. By a round of applause, how many of you have heard that verse before? Yeah. So we're, we're, we're very familiar with that. And, and, and I think it's okay for us to even continue to revisit and look back at things that maybe we've heard a hundred times. Because there's something new that I believe the Spirit's calling this house to in relation to caring for the orphans and those in distress in our culture today. You know, that word translated religion means the outward practice. It means the service of a God. We, we oftentimes misconstrue that, and we've, we've kind of called religion just, we, we, we have so many other different definitions, don't we? When we think about religion, and we're thinking about, are you religious? And we don't want to be religious. We don't want to, you know, we don't want religion. Listen, when you, when you look at it, that means this outward practice. It means the service to, to a God. That, that, that word religion is used five times in, in the entire New Testament. And in one of those times, it's actually translated with the word worshiping. So, so it's kind of painting the picture that when you and I, when you and I are, 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 are practicing our religion, it's outward service and actually it is an act of worship to God. I would say that, and I think James is trying to get that point across in 127 here, that when you and I care for the widows or orphans, when we step out and address the needs of those who, who are helpless, I can't help but think through our service, God is honored and worshiped. Are you with me? So it's not just, just making a difference in, in an individual's life, although it does that tremendously. But I'm telling you, I think that it shows God, hey, God, listen, we're going to be obedient to what you call us to do. Pure religion has nothing to do with ceremonies or, or temples or, 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 or special days. Pure religion means practicing God's word and sharing it with others. Now, if you continue to read, <clears throat> excuse me, in James chapter one, you're, you're going to find that James means this, this idea of pure religion is, is, can also take place through our speech, through our words we offer. And also, as I said, through our service. But, but check this out. We just finished a series last week on grace. And, 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 and grace is, is God's unmerited favor and unconditional love that he's given us, right? And, and we made this statement, and I think James would, would be clapping in heaven right now and applauding, saying, come on, boy, that's right, that's right. Because listen, listen, grace does not give us a blank check to continue to live like the devil, right? And, and listen, pure religion, I think James would say, listen, means that we, we also, there's a separation that should take place in our lives from the world. Wouldn't, wouldn't Paul say that we are to be in the world but not of the world, right? We, we, we cannot insulate ourselves. We cannot escape the world in which we live in. We thought about buying an island, but Sir Richard Branson beat us to it. And us all getting there. But listen, no, no. We, we, we want to be in the world so that we can influence with the gospel of Jesus Christ. Are you with me? And would you just consider with me today, as James would encourage us, that when we care for the orphan, when we come alongside the widow or others that are helpless and hopeless in our culture, I'm telling you, I'm telling you, we are bringing honor and, and glory and even worshiping God through those acts of service. Are you with me today, church? Pure and genuine religion in the sight of God the Father. 
Man, just, just, just that first part of, of, of verse 27. There, there is no room for human definitions here. We like to do that, right? Well, we think that if we did this, that this is, listen, that James is saying, no, listen, here's what pure and genuine religion is, to care for, to care for them. You see, the standards of, 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 of true religion and our behavior are dictated by the word of God. And what God's word says to us is clear here in 127. And more importantly, it is a call to action for us. What will we do with what we read here in James 127? What will be our response? And we could throw statistic after statistic to you today about, uh, about numbers of, uh, of, of orphans in our nation and how many are, are fostered out every year. We could, we could do that, right? But the bottom line is this. What will we do in, as a result of what we see written to us here in the word of God? Genuine religion means that everything in our life as a believer is to bear this mark of service to God. In fact, Paul would go on to write in 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 31, he would say words to us like this, that whatever you do, do it all for the glory of God. Have you heard that before? Whatever you do, whatever you do. Listen, when you're up here, as Ezra's playing those keys, Ezra's doing it all for the glory of God. As I stand and deliver the word of God, man, I want him to be honored and lifted up. As you step out and begin to care for the orphan or to give help to the helpless, listen, you're doing it for the glory of God. Are you with me there? It's what it's all about. Church, listen, God comes to us in times of need, doesn't he? Is there anyone in this room today that can honestly say that, man, I, I tell you, I, I found myself in a, in a difficult situation at some point in my life and, and God stepped in and he met me. Am I talking to anyone? Just as God comes to the aid of those in need, I think James is telling us in 127 here that those who practice true religion will care for the orphans and widows. We will step out to the, to the most vulnerable members of the church and the society, and we will do something. And you read throughout, throughout the Bible, and you begin to see God's heart towards the fatherless. You, you read Old and New Testament alike, and you will find how, how God's heart beats and, and hurts for those who are defenseless, those who, who, who maybe even society has labeled as an outcast, those who are on the fringes of culture. Listen, God loves them, and he's looking for a church. He's looking for the body of Christ to step up and serve and minister to their needs. I love what James is writing here in, in, in 127. He's, he's pointing out that, you know, it's not, it's not simply enough just to know scripture or godly teaching. Hey, did, did, did you know that knowledge alone is useless? Do, do you know some people that know a lot of stuff, but then they don't ever do anything with that stuff? Or, or, or they lord it over you. I know that. I know how to, right? Jesus dealt with a group of people like that in his time and day as well, known as the Pharisees, right? They knew every law, over 600 of them. They knew it all, right? But yet it was useless. It was just, they had forgotten that the teachings and what we hear ought to drive us to an action. 
There should be some obedience factor in relation to that. Listen, knowing the Bible, for people that think just knowing the Bible makes you godly, they are so deceived, aren't they? That's what James is writing about here in in chapter 1. He, he, he would say that obeying the teaching is what makes one godly. In fact, I think I, I put this up. Verse 22 is, well, that's before verse 27. It says, listen to what he wrote. He, he said, don't just listen to God's word. You must do what it says. Otherwise, you're only fooling yourselves. You see, it's obedience. So listen, it's not enough for me today. To say, hey, listen, we're gonna carve out a day and we're gonna talk about the orphans. Guys, let me share some statistics with you today about the orphans and for you to be wild and impressed with all of that. No, the greater challenge is what will we do as a result of, of what we read in God's word today? How will we step out and be obedient to what God is maybe calling us to do? And check that out. I said what God is calling us to do. I could prescribe and tell you what I think you ought to do, but that's not my role. The goal today is for us to open up our lives to the Holy Spirit and allow the Holy Spirit to call us to some sort of an action. And I want to unpack those here for you in a few moments. But, 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 but make no mistake about it. Obedience in relation to orphan care and, and those who are helpless, those on the fringes of our society, that is what God is calling us to if, if you want some more, just reading on that, some bonus Bible for you this week. Matthew 7, I believe maybe 24 through 27, Jesus begins to talk about, listen, it's, it's through your obedience. When you're obedient to the things that I share with you, that's when the blessings come into your life. Oh, I wrestle with that because I get so many people that are living like the devil and you say, where's God. How come he's not stepping in and rescuing me? Well, it's because you're living like the devil. Why would God step into your situation when you're cursing him and when you're doing your own thing? Listen, God says he he blesses obedience. Hey, as a parent, do you bless disobedience in your home? If you do, you're jacked up. You are. You're not right. No, you you don't bless disobedient as a parent, do you? Why would God our Father do that? Well, he's good, Jason. You said that. He's supposed to love us. He doesn't have to, but he chooses to. Thank you. But he's going to bless obedience. Are you with me there? Okay, I'm sorry. I kind of got off on that. I'm all fired up. My blood pressure's up right now, and it's already high, and I need to lose weight. I know. I need to do something. Here's what I want us to see today with, with, with this idea. Why are you laughing? That is so rude. For us to be on God's side when it comes to caring for the orphan, when it comes to, to, to being um, a helper to, the, to, to those who are fatherless, when it comes to defending those who are defenseless, listen, we must choose the side of the poor and the needy. Listen, God requires of us, church, listen, he requires his people to work for the best interest of the unprotected members of our society. And let me just share with you, that not only includes orphans and widows, but let me just tell you something, that includes the foreigners and aliens as well. It does. Yeah, come on. I think we can clap for that. And listen, I'm not trying to make any political statement. I'm just telling you, Jesus loves the people of the world. 
he does. And, um, and, and I just can't help but think that, that, that we stand and we need to be prepared also to do whatever we can to come alongside people created by God the Father and offer care. Again, I don't know what that looks like to you, and I don't know, I just know that God loves people and he cares for them. Are, you, are we okay with that? He does, he does. Look what he says in Psalm chapter 72, verse 12. It says, he will rescue the poor when they cry to him. He will help the oppressed who have no one to defend them. He feels pity for the weak and the needy, and he will rescue them. Psalm chapter 82, verse three, give justice to the poor and the orphan. Uphold the rights of the oppressed and the destitute. Come on. Uphold the rights of the oppressed and the destitute. See, I don't find anything in God's word where we can just interject our own human definition. That's, is that not pretty clear to some folks right there? We are to uphold the rights of the oppressed and the destitute. Uh, just just Americans, just white people, just people who I like and want to. I'm telling you, you better be careful jacking with the word of God. We are to uphold the rights of those who are oppressed and destitute. Y'all still love me? Never did the start. Anyway, that's okay. That's all right. That's all right. I'm still going to preach. Here's what I know about orphans is that it was never God's desire for a child to grow up in a fatherless slash motherless home. That never was his plan. It never was God's desire to see boys and girls crying for the, the embrace of, of a mom. Or for, it was never God's desire for a little boy to grow up never knowing what it's like to, to throw a football or catch a baseball. God's desire was never for that. But we live in a fallen and broken world that needs reclaimed. And I want you to know that God's, God clearly weeps throughout the Bible for those who suffer, especially these who are the fatherless. You, you know God loves children. We sang about it as kids growing up, all the children of the world, red, yellow, black, and white, right? We, we know that. But, but, but I love to see, even in, in Matthew chapter 19, uh, I believe verse 14, we find this instance of where Jesus is berating his disciples. Now, those guys probably deserve some berating from time to time. Would you agree with me? But in this particular instance, he's berating them because they're refusing little children coming to him. You remember that? And he says, hey, don't you keep these little ones? There's a, he, in fact, he says, theirs is the what? The kingdom of God, right? It belongs, belongs to them. Listen, today's message, today's ascending, it's, like, guys, it's a call to action for us. What will we do for those who are defenseless? What will we do for the orphan, those who have no home? Jesus, just as he welcomed the little children and let them come to him, listen, he's calling us to reach out to the neediest and offer love and a home to come alongside and encourage to assist. You know, this, this week, many of us will gather with family, won't we? And, um, and, and we will have an opportunity to sit down and share a meal together. I'm, I, I, I myself, I'm going to go back and spend some time with my mom and, and in her home. And, and, you know, I can walk in with confidence there, knowing that, that my mom wants me there. 
I don't have to ask permission. Hey, hey, mom, may I come in? In fact, my mom's calling me like three times every hour saying, now what time are y'all coming? What time? Mom, I don't know. It's like we're, you know, it's six months out, mom. I don't know. Yeah, it's just, but we'll be there. We'll be there. Will you bring me a tootie pie? Yeah, mom, I'll bring tootie pie because it's not Thanksgiving unless tootie's there, you know, and we'll do that. But what time? I don't have to ask permission from my mom. Hey, mom, can I, can I sit at the table today? Yeah, you're at the big table. You're not at that little table anymore in the corner. You're big boy now. Remember those days? I don't have to ask permission. Hey, mom, may I have some turkey? Mom, mom can I have? Listen, you can have seconds, thirds, all you want, and I'll do that because I want to make my mom happy, right? Eat all that I can, right? But listen, we don't have to ask permission for that. But do you realize that there are some who don't have that privilege this week? That there are some who, who, who are wondering, hey, when, when will I have that? Where's that family? It's going to welcome me to the table. Where I'm important, I'm special. I'm not just an afterthought or, you know, a mistake. No. Where's that family that will bring me home and in? And can I just kind of remind us all of something here today? You know that we're all orphans at some point in our life, right? Let me just kind of make this, if I haven't already shared with you, but let me just remind all of us that we all are orphaned. You know that, right? Now, you may say, hey, listen, I've always had a home. I was born into a family. Absolutely. But, but there was a time in your life in which I would say you were an orphan spiritually, you know what that means? It means that, 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 that you did not have the right to come to God. You, you, you didn't have a right to, to sit under the blessings of what that means to be a part of the family of God. Listen, I, and I don't, I, I'm not trying to be rude to anybody or hurt you, but, but you've not always been a Christian. You've not always been a part of the family of God. You haven't. You've always been a sinner. But at some point, what makes someone go from being a sinner to, to, to a, a Christian is, is when you call upon the name of the Lord and are saved. For me, I was nine years old when I did that. I was a part of the Brown family and still am to this day. But for the first eight, nine years of my life, I was just part of the Brown family. But when I called upon the name of the Lord and was saved, I was no longer a spiritual orphan. I became a part of the family of God. Are you with me there? I was adopted into his family with all the rights and privileges thereof. And I'm telling you, it is awesome to be a part of the family of God. <laughs> we used to sing about it every Sunday at the church. I'm so glad I'm a part of it. Right? Yeah. But there was beauty there. And I'm a son and you're a daughter. We are heirs. We, we have the right. We, we can come before him, Scripture says, with confidence because he's our father. In fact, in the King James Version of the Bible, that, that word adoption is used six times. And in each of those instances, this term adoption is a term by which Jesus Christ has, has reconciled us as humans to God. Jesus makes us a part. He welcomes and what he's done for us on the cross makes us a part of the family of God. Galatians 4 says, when the right time came, God sent his son, born of a woman, subject to the law. And God sent him, his son, to buy freedom for those who were slaves to the law so that he could what? Adopt us as his very own children 
In Ephesians chapter one, this same spiritual adoption mentioned again, God decided in advance to adopt us into his own family by bringing us to himself through Jesus Christ. That is what he wanted to do and it gave him great pleasure. Listen, adoption is God's way of showing his love to us, bringing us into his family forever. And just as that happens for us spiritually, Earthly adoption can do the same for a child. Can you imagine what would happen if, 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 if every Christian worldwide would care for orphans? Hey, in fact, I'm gonna do something real quick. Can we get the lights up? I'm gonna say who's asleep right now. Can we get a, hey, let me just, I wanna do this real quick. This, and you don't have to do this. I'm not trying to embarrass anyone. I saw you back there, sir. Now, I don't want to embarrass anybody, but how many of you, um, th this subject matter today strikes close to home because you, you orphan care or foster adoption, or maybe you were one, has, is close to your family. I want you to stand up. I want us to get a, a representative. I want to see this today. Just, so, just stay standing. Yeah. Look at this. Just stay standing. I think we, yeah, we sell, just stay standing. How many of you would be so bold to say, you know what? I once was an orphan and somebody brought me into their family. Look at this all around the room. Isn't that great? Have, you guys can have a seat. Thank you for doing that. Listen, I know, I know that not every one of us are called to adopt or to foster care and bring children into our home. But isn't it great to see some that have or some that were a part of a family welcoming them in? Can you just imagine what would happen if every Christian worldwide would embrace orphan care? I did read one statistic that I want to share with you. Can I do that? Here's what I read. If one family from every church in Texas would become a foster family, all the children in the Texas foster care would be in a safe Christian home. One family from every church in Texas. Now, we're shooting that out of the waters here at 1910 because we got more than one, right? And I'm thankful to be a part of a church that understands this very thing. But if one family from every church in Texas would just become a part of foster care, our foster process, and I mean, there would be no need for it because the church is doing what God calls us to do. Now listen, I, I, again, I'm, I'm not, I know that not everyone is called a parent or to foster. We've got several that have said yes to that and we love you. Thank you guys for being Jesus and putting him on display in that area for us. But there is something you can do for instance, what if, well, what if you just begin to pray for an adoptive family? And, and by the way, we've got several families in this church right now that, that are in the adoption process. And, and can I just tell you something real quick? That, that, that is a cost. There's a financial cost to that of somewhere I asked some of them what they're looking at. And some, it's $45,000 to about $60,000. It's a lot of money, right? 
And, and there are some that, that are in that process right now. Some that have already spent that money in order to bring a loved one into their home. So for some of you, maybe it's, it's praying for an adoptive family. Maybe it's, it's supporting an adoption cause. We were gathered here yesterday with, with one of our dear families and, and man, I ate a truckload of pancakes yesterday. My coach is here. I'm sorry, but it was all for the gospel, all for the gospel, right? For an but maybe it's supporting financially. Maybe it's sponsoring a, a child somehow. You know, we are a part of sponsorship of children in Guatemala, right? But maybe it's a kid in Guadalupe County that God calls you to, to help as well. You know, I think of so many ways that this church has been involved over the years, this, this thing called the One Less Race, which is a race that happens every spring and started from a family in this, in this congregation years ago that just had a desire. And some of the families in this congregation have been recipients of, of that incredible race and raising money. I think of a ministry like Meadowlands located over here, you know, by Bernie Middle School South and the movie theater, a home for, for boys and girls that, that, that have all sorts of maybe backgrounds or for whatever reason. Some, some have families, but some don't. And, and it breaks my heart because at the age of 18, those kids have to leave that home. And some of them, I've heard this, I've been here, some of them don't have a home to go back to. What do you do then? I think of ministries like our Hill Country Daily Bread. Part of their emphasis is to, to have mentor families come alongside families in need and delivering food boxes and, and, and ministering and just being Jesus to them. I, I, I asked uh, uh, one of the, the leaders there at Daily Bread this week, how many families are waiting for a mentor just to come alongside them in that capacity? 101 families in our community waiting for someone just to come alongside and help them in their time of distress and need. We have a uh, 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 a ministry to, to homeless people in downtown San Antonio that started again in this congregation about 11 years ago, 12, 12 years ago. On Friday nights, they go down and feed and they clothe and, and they help stay warm. And, and I'll never forget one of the times I went down there and, and, and I, heard, I heard one of those individuals that we were serving minister to say this, quote, why don't church people like me? Why don't church people like me? And I can't help but think that that might be the cry of some little boy and girl that's in some other environment today except the home of a family. So why we started Reclaimed Foster and Adoption Ministry here in this church a long time ago. That word reclaim means, as I said, to retrieve or to recover something that's been lost. I'm just tired of the enemy jacking with God's plan for boys and girls. It's time for us as a church to stand up and do something about it in even greater ways. And I can't tell you what that is for you. I just simply today have tried to present to you God's heart for the orphan. Have I done that? Listen. Financing adoptions, I talked about that price tag. Well, fi financing the price tag for an adoption is not something that should shock us as a church. But what should shock every one of us as Christ followers is us standing and doing nothing for those who have no home. Mother Teresa said this. If you can't feed a hundred people, 
than just feed one. What can we do, church, so that the fatherless have a home? Would you stand with me today? Thank you guys for being here. And I just want to re reiterate once again that, that we have a, a ministry table set out. I think it's four kids. Maren Baker, I think maybe Maren, who's one of, of ours, is out there today, and she'd be glad to answer any questions. And I do want to invite you today, if you would love to come and at 1245 in, in the factory, the very first room in the elementary wing, there's going to be a gathering today. Lunch is going to be provided. Listen, you have, you have to eat lunch. You're going to cook a lot this week. Let us feed you today. And you come and just listen. I remember last time I said that there was a lady that elbowed her husband and she broke his rib because they had been praying about this for such a long time and it was confirmation. I love how God works those things out, Pastor Wes. What is God calling us to do? Ministry team, would you come and make yourselves available today? We always are ready to come alongside of you and pray with you. Maybe you're here today and you're one of these families that, that are praying about the next step in foster adoption. Maybe you, you, you're praying for the finances to be made available. Listen, here's what I do know. When we step out and are obedient to what God wants to do, he's going to bless us, right? Do not let those finances be a deterrent to you doing it. I would be more afraid of not doing what God's calling you to do. You take a step of obedience and just watch how God moves. Maybe we can pray with you over any other situation today. We're here. We're ready. Lord Jesus, thank you for your presence today. Thank you for challenging us with the word. Let us not be hearers of the word only, but let us be, what church? Doers of it. All for your glory. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you. You're dismissed.